This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's up, you guys? Welcome to the June 2nd edition of the Roto World Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I'm Mike Gallagher. Get ready to review game one and preview game two. Lots of stuff to talk about it. With me to do so, very excited to have him on. Tommy Beer, what's up, man? Hello, hello. How you doing? Doing very well. How about yourself? Doing great, man. Had a nice little hike this morning. Excited to get some basketball in. Uh, what'd you do on the on the off seat with the uh, the off time? Did you watch any cool shows? I, I know I've to- told you to watch Silicon Valley a few times. Westworld, yes. I got you on Westworld. Uh, caught up on Westworld, definitely enjoyed it. Um, what else? I saw Luke Cage. I'm like halfway through that uh-huh. on Netflix. Not crazy about it, but it's just a it's a good time killer. Um, and then I got some other shows. House of Cards season just came out. Oh, nice. Um, <clears throat> so I'll, I'll definitely get into that soon. And then uh, I never watched Billions. Heard some good things, so I think I might get into that at some point. Oh, cool. Um, but uh, yeah, nothing nothing on the radar. Um, but I'm always in the market for shows that m- I must watch. And I know you've recommended some good ones in the past. Yeah, I, haven't really, I didn't really do too much. I kind of caught some baseball. Helped, helped right. out my fantasy teams. They, they've, I've been kind of lazy on pickups. And uh, yeah, man. Um, only only show I watched was Master of None season two. Oh, that's what I wanted to mention though too. I meant yeah. to text you Fargo. Have you watched Fargo? I've heard good things about that. Dude, watch Fargo. Yeah. It's, All right, I gotta do it. One of my good buddies tells me about that all the time. It's in the third season now, and you can start in the third season and really not miss much. That the seasons are kind of sorta interconnected, um, but not directly. Oh, but nice. I would suggest starting with season one. And then going through because all three seasons, I'm in the middle of season three now, um, have been really, really good. It's, it's a really, really good show. Yeah, well, it's probably going to be a sweep, so we'll probably have another week off. <laughs> to, to, sure, we'll, before, we'll probably have plenty of time. Yeah, before we get in draft mode. Yeah, the only the thing I really watched, too, was That's Delicious, your boy, Action Bronson. Yeah. Uh, great show for food lovers and hip-hop lovers like me. Um, okay, so let's get down to this, man. Um, you, I'm sure you guys watched it last night. Great first half. Warriors just cleaned their clocks and getting shots. Weren't making them. Um, that's what I thought was one of the big takeaways. Probably my favorite stat and one of my favorite stats usually is shots at the rim. 55 shots at the rim for Golden State. Reference point on that. 32.9 was the league lead for OKC. Dallas only had 19 shots at the rim per game. Um <laughs> Uh, and then on the flip side at the rim, the Cavs only made 38% in the paint overall, and that's down from 58% in season. Um, so other things I took away, when, when Ty Lue said he thought that the Celtics were tougher to defend than the Warriors, yeah, okay. Um, took, that, <laughs> t- took that one back pretty fast. Uh, said the Warriors are the best team he's ever seen. Um, so before we get into... Specifics. What other what other stats or anything? Any sort of trends that you noticed in Game One that may carry over or may need to be adjusted to? Well, I thought you know you mentioned that the shots at the rim, which is incredible. Um, and how about the fact that many shots at the rim and the Warriors only took sixteen free throws? You know, yeah. that's that's lack of physicality, lack of you know. I understand that that 
incredibly that we're at the stage of the game now where teams kind of allow open dunks as opposed to open three-pointers. Um, you know, that Steph Curry gravity drew J.R. Smith a couple times. Yeah. Um, but all things considered, I think that's kind of remarkable, the fact that, you know, time and again they pounded into the paint, dunks, layups, reverse layups, alley-oops, and, and no, no, at no occasion did any, did, did any warrior get knocked down. There was no hard fouls. There was no message, you know, no layups tonight, you know, in game one of a finals. It's, it, I just didn't see that, that the type of intensity that, that you would expect from the, from the Cavs. And even when they're coming out of the second half, you know, they're, you know, eight, ten-point game. You know, they probably should have been a little bit more um, expecting to come out with some fire, some intensity. Um, and they just didn't have it off the bat in the second half. And I think that's kind of where the game got away from them. Shots in the paint and low free throws. Take that for data. Take that for data. <laughs> so, yeah, I totally agree, man. And, yeah, the Warriors are going to get their shots at the free throw on, too. And it was just – and one, my favorite stat that I was looking to was – going into it was how would the Cavs defend the Warriors in transition? And that was really their undoing again. Uh, 27 fast break points is way too much. Um, and, it's not, again, they missed shots. Javel got hot in the first in the first quarter. Um, we'll talk about. I, I don't know. We need to talk about Javel too much. Okay, so I guess let's talk about Kevin Durant for actually one other stat that was huge was when you only get Golden State to turn it over four times, your goose yeah. is cooked. Um, when you're giving it up twenty times, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, and you know, it's it's a situation where. You can play really, 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 really well against Golden State, you know, kind of a flawless, perfect game, and still get smacked. If you turn it over time and time again, dumb turnovers, live ball turnovers, <clears throat> and you know the Warriors can turn on other points, and you only have them commit four turnovers, you're done, dude. Yeah. There's just You just can't compete, period. That's the end of the conversation. Yeah. And if they would have made shots at the rim like they normally did, it, yeah. it would have been like 35-40. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, honestly, I, we'll talk predictions in a little bit, but... Yeah, if, if you bet on the Cavs in this series, you're not feeling too good. Um, okay, uh, let's start with... Uh, actually, let's start with LeBron first. Um, we kind of hinted at it. His, his turnovers were almost like he was trying to spread the ball too much. Um, I thought Mike Brown had an interesting comment. He was talking about KD defending, kind of not letting him look over him. He's playing him closer than most people play LeBron. And they kind of let him funnel inside. And again, they, he turned the ball over a lot on kickouts, and he just wasn't there. They were out of rhythm. You chalked it up as being rust, Warriors defense. I mean, how do you really explain the turnovers? Yeah, I think it's a little bit, of, a little bit of all. You know, a little bit of all of the above. Um, you know, obviously LeBron tries to get his teammates involved, sometimes to a fault. Um, and I think the length of Durant really played a part. You know, even on some of the missed shots, had some kind of bunnies up close that just are very, very difficult when you got when you got a guy that's uh, six foot twelve like Durant is. Um, contesting shots at the rim, it just makes it that much more difficult. So it's something LeBron hasn't quite had to deal with. Um, even go, you know, going up against quality defenders like PJ Tucker and um, you know Jay Crowder and the like. Um, those guys are quality d- defenders, obviously, but KD's a different breed. Um, and I think that's kind of one of, been one of the things that Durant has, has stepped up his game in, in in relation to coming to the Warriors this season. Um, I think his defensive, uh, his work on the defensive end has been quite surprising. Um, to a lot of people, and I think that's, you know, you, you knew he could score. He can score effortlessly against anybody on the planet, um, but I think he's, he's kind of picked up his defensive, uh, his, his game with the defensive end. That's made a difference during the regular season and uh, throughout the postseason and, and, and in game one as well. Yeah, anyone who had him in fantasy knows about the the increase in blocks, why he was number one per game last year for yep. a nine-cat. 
Um, yeah, like you said, and also I, I think the Warriors, the way they switch everything, that that's a very big adjustment from what he kind of saw. Um, teams were kind of avoiding the getting a LeBron mismatch. I mean, yeah, there was that one time when they switched on Curry, and he kicked out to Love, and LeBron had an easy dunk when Curry lost him. So, but I mean, it's fine. It's only only one basket, but um. Yeah, I, I I don't think... I guess talking about adjustments, him on Durant was a mistake. Um, he was late on closeouts. He got burned. He was... I don't know if he was just rusty or what, but there were a couple possessions where um, guys just... Like, Curry beat him for a rebound. Um, like, JaVale defended him really well. And KD blew by him in, like, a matter of, like, 30 seconds. And it just was like, what? This isn't LeBron. Um, so even defensively, I don't know what you can do there because I mean you can't really. What are you What are you gonna do? Like put Kevin Love on Durant? Um, I don't know if that would work either. Uh, it's just going from Harrison Barnes to Kevin Durant. It's like kind of a interesting upgrade, I guess. So <laughs> yeah. uh, what do you do there? You 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 it's pick your poison thing, but it, just quickly on the Harrison Barnes thing, I, you know another another stat to look at. Barnes was five of thirty two. Scored a combined 15 points in games 5, 6, and 7 of the 2016 final, the final three games. Nice. Durant had 38 points on, what was it, 12 of, um, let's see, was his final stat line was 14 of 26 from the floor in game yeah. one, you know. So, yeah. you know, there were some people that, that kind of moronically suggested that it wouldn't be that big of an upgrade. They had to give up Leandro Barbosa and, and, and Bogut to, to fix the, you know, to oh, fix the cap cool. and get Durant in there. And it didn't allow, listen, Durant is <laughs> such a huge upgrade. It's, it's, it's laughable to suggest that the Warriors, um, you know, wouldn't be a vastly better team with it. And I think game one certainly proved that. Um, yeah. Just to know, cut you off real quick. Uh, Ryan and I had a podcast. We talked about best, like pure scores ever. We both had Durant number one. Like, I, yeah, I know, I know. But, like, just as far as, like, pure scoring the ball, the guy's a scoring machine, man. And his true shooting, like, to be, like, a 60 true shooting guy for his career over, with that volume, man, it just blows my mind. It absolutely. You, there's, there's, it's, it's very hard to say somebody else is definitely, definitively. Yeah. Uh, more, you know, you can. There's certainly arguments you can make, but um, yeah, and just and, and and I think you know, as a result, LeBron had some off, you know, could rest a little bit defensively last season in the finals. You know, yeah. let Harrison Barnes, you know, dare him to take threes and dare him to take long twos. Um, you know, that could kind of allow LeBron to get some rest, and we know what type of numbers LeBron put up in those final three games last season, um, in the in the in the finals last yeah. year. He just doesn't have that opportunity to rest on the defensive end this year. Um, it'll be very interesting to see how that plays out. There's obviously there's plenty of rest in between games, so I wouldn't expect LeBron to be exhausted. Um, but it, it, it could play a part, you know, down the stretch here, you know, the, of these close games. Hopefully, they get a lot closer. Yeah, and the point you were making before to drive that home when you talked about the depth. They're fine. I mean, we saw James Michael McAdoo get in there, and he was he was all right. Um, you know, only for a couple minutes before garbage time played. What I think it was thirty eight seconds at the end of the first half. Um, he had a, he defended LeBron on that, on that last play in the half, and he grabbed the rebound too. Yeah. Um, and they only, and they only played McGee five minutes. Yeah, he was, he was you know he was a plus eight in those five minutes. He was great in those five minutes. Contribution, absolutely. You yeah. can get some more burn. So yeah, they have tons of options. David West, Mister Ring Chaser, man. Yep. he's gonna. Is he gonna come back next year if he gets his ring or what? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. He he's been chasing that thing for two years. He might. I me may join the Patriots to try to get an NFL ring. <laughs> nice. I still can't believe last year 
Like, to leave $11 million on the table, like, just take that $11 million and chase it next year, dude. It, re- it really is a, <laughs> it's a crazy. And for them to, you know, it wasn't like they, they, he was going to a team that was the 73 win Warriors. You know, he was going yeah. to a team that would have been this. Crazy! It's a that was a that was one of the more interest you know the one of the more incredible you know go, just goes to show you though that some people and listen there's a report today that Chris Paul's seriously considering this first mm-hmm. and I keep saying he's not going to leave fifty million dollars on the table I just don't see it happening but um, you know to you to to the David West point stranger things have happened in this world so we'll yeah. see how it plays out and then also we'll wrap up Kevin Durant but to start with that he's apparently willing to leave money on the table too and I, I mean with KD like yeah. And honestly, I mean, with the way those high-profile guys are, with the amount of investments that he has and his advertising, he's in um, like his apparently a big piece of Postmates. It's like if you haven't heard of it, it's like a delivery service for for grocery shopping and stuff. Katie made a lot of money off that apparently. And like the hundred million dollar Nike deal. Yeah, right. He's got his own kicks. Katie tens I actually like. Um, Yeah, but I mean to be to build your brand as a winner and a multiple ring winner. Yeah, like that that's gonna be worth more than four million dollars in the long run, man. So totally, I think it makes sense. Totally agree. Yeah, I, 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 that, that's why, and I think that's and that's why the David West thing was more shocking because it wasn't like he had a he had plenty of money in the bank, but not right. hundreds of millions that the, that the Durant of the world. Had. Right, exactly. Like eleven million dollars to KD is nothing. Where eleven right. million dollars to David West is sure yeah. he's fine. He's not gonna be struggling to. You know he's not going to be you know buying ramen noodles or something at the end of the at the end of the week, but um, yeah, it's it's eleven million dollars. Um, okay, so just some other stats I want to throw out on for KD. Um, he had six first half dunks. Uh, NBA.com logged him at one of six on jumpers, just regular jumpers, no dribbles, kind of catch and shoot it. Um, that one shot, I think, was the if I'm not mis- if I if I think they logged it right, was the one shot right in front of Rihanna. Yeah. Uh, which was a big thing, man. And we just got to shout out our boy, Jeff Van Gundy. So probably the highlight, pure highlight play, was when LeBron dunked on JaVel McGee. And everyone's going crazy, oh yeah. And JVG's like, oh wait, Rihanna just walked by me. <laughs> so, as much as I want to see Van Gundy back on the sidelines, because I think he's a great coach. And yeah. The last time the Knicks were respectable, he was at the helm. Yeah. Um, he's so so great on, on, on TV. He is. It'd be a shame for him for him to walk away. Yeah, and the Rihanna story, man, is 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 a trip, man. Um, KD had that thing back in like 2011 when he said he wanted to bite her butt, yeah. <laughs> and then she was like bowing to LeBron, says he's still the king. She dropped a B word to her friend. Like that. Yeah. I yeah. I don't really know Rihanna other than like features on stuff. Like for um, Kendrick, she was on there. Um, but respect though. That's what's I, up. Listen, I, I know Rihanna from Google Images. Yeah, that yeah. I know. I know Rihanna from that too. Yes. <laughs> so, so obviously, so, so so plenty of respect on, yeah. on that end. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so let's talk one, a little. One other thing, just on those Durant dunks. Um, I think it was four was his playoff yep. career high, right? And yep. he had six in the first 21, 21 minutes last night. So that just goes to show you that he was easy dunks. And that one back cut on LeBron. I I love a V cut, man. And Avery Bradley did it to John Wallach, I want to say, eight or nine times in the last series. Yes. And I lo- that's one of my favorite cuts, man. Like, if I ever teach basketball, that's one of the first things. Is, like, if you're a basketball coach, teach, teach your kids how to be cut properly. Avery um, Bradley made a living off that. Not only yeah. the Wizards, but he did it in the Cavs series, too. You know, yep. Multiple occasions, Kyrie and J.R. Smith got caught in that. Yep, yep. Um, okay, so anything else on 
Okay, uh, we, speaking of uh, Kyrie, let's let's talk point guard matchups. Kyrie had a couple really nice highlights. Had that uh, four point play, drawing the contact, the Harden move. Uh, then he had a really nice crossover on Draymond. It's Kyrie Irving going to get highlights, but they defended again. Not, again, the, at the rim defense, they they weren't missing shots. This is just Draymond, Clay, all these guys just limiting them at the ba- around the basket. Um, Kyrie's going to get hot. We know he's going to have a big game, but. Uh, I mean, what, what were your impressions on Kyrie from the first game? Yeah, I think it's kind of what we expected. Um, taking it to the cup, incredible finishes in and around the basket. Um, the, 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 the Warriors are probably the only team in the league that can even challenge him, you know, throwing off length and bodies and quickness and, and versatility to, to kind of at least challenge him at the rim because um, he's such a crafty, incredible scorer at, at the basket. Um, but, you know, yeah, like you said, I think we'll, that's to, to be, you know, to expect more of the same going forward. He's going to knock down some threes. He's going to have a 35-40 point game sooner rather than later. Um, so uh, I think we can expect uh, more of the same going forward. Yeah, that's that's really what the difference was. He actually wasn't really that good in the first two rounds, Kyrie. But he was, what, 49.6 tree shooting against the Raptors, 50.0 against the Pacers, but then 76.3 against the Celtics. Um, just crush at the rim. Uh, that's that's kind of where his thing is. So, yeah, I don't know, man. I'm not totally sold that Kyrie's going to be kind of the hero that he was. Obviously, we talk about the right wing shot all the time. Um, but, man, Steph's good. Um, Steph, what, 63.6 true shooting last night, which dropped, dropped him down in the postseason. Was it 67.5 before game one? Um, man, that, that Curry run... In the third quarter, and we were talking about this before, the Warriors, they will kill you in the third quarter at home. Regular season, plus 24.4 net rating. That's including a 121.2 offensive rating. And in the playoffs, only seven-game sample, 127 offensive rating for a 27.1 net rating. Yeah, and 104 pace, just killing, man. Turnover rates down. They're winning on the boards even. Yeah. Um. I, I, I thought Steph, you know, and we didn't see him really in the 2016 finals. I thought Steph had a little bit of swagger, a little bit of a confidence in his yeah. game. I think he obviously has a point to prove, um, whether it's fair or not, to hold, you know, the 2016 finals. Because he did have a relatively decent finals, obviously not up to his par and his expectations. And he was also very good in the 2015 finals, although some people claim, you know, with Iguodala winning the MVP, that, that he, he was poor in that series, which is, isn't quite true. No. It's basically one bad shooting game. Um, but, uh, yeah, when he when he gets it going like that, we know what Steph can do. Um, when he starts launching those long threes, the, the crowd feeds off his energy and the high kicks up and down the floor. Um, and then also taking it to the basket when guys run out on him. Um, that's the MVP version of Steph Curry. And if he shows up along with Durant and, you know, Draymond Green defensively, and eventually maybe Clay Thompson might even make a jump shot, um, yeah, huh. it's it's looking good for the Warriors. Yeah, to your point, the one play that jumps out was um, LeBron was driving and KD defended him at the rim. Steph grabbed the rebound uncontested, drove it up the court, three, four dribbles, call it six feet off the top of the key for three-point line. Wet and then he's kicking his legs out, man. It's going like that. It's crazy. Yeah, it's like what I call like you know, kind of. I don't. Everyone calls him kind of arrogant stuff. Yeah, uh, where he's just acting a fool, doesn't care, have as much fun as he can. Doesn't matter. That's Steph at his peak, and yeah, we saw that. He was a little cold early, but 
he got it he got it going and it was over, man. He's just so good and the whole Steph's not dominant thing. Anyone who says that and I I just think they don't appreciate how what a three-point shot does. Like yeah. not like okay, like that's those are the people who say, "Oh, he only shot 40% from the field." But yeah, he was 7 to 7 from the line and made five threes. Like what are you yeah. talking about? It's a really efficient line. So, yeah. And especially at home, those three-pointer are like Vince Carter dunks or you know, or, or Shaq alley oops, like those those count more, in, you know, than, than than necessarily just the three points on the scoreboard. In addition to obviously the important three points, but they really energize, revitalize the energize and revitalize the crowd. Um, and, and we saw that on, on display last night. And on, when they're on the road, those really quiet the crowd. And you know, those big shots can, you know, those those you know, when when the Warriors are rolling like that, and you know, the value of the three point shot is kind of uh, amplified. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and then Clay Thompson, you mentioned quickly. His shot's off, though. Um, what is he? 3 of 16 last night. It's been cold the whole way. U- usage rate's down. Efficiency's now it's way down after a bad game. He still played well, man. Again, he started on Kyrie out of the gate. Um, I thought that was a good move. Um, they're gonna and and also, the, the first the first defense special of the game, when he shot when he locked up Kevin Love, oh. of course, that air ball. I mean, that's, that's Clay Thompson's versatility at its finest. Um, yes, he was three of sixteen. Yes, he is ice cold, and it's shocking because it's 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 bizarre for a player, a shooter as gifted as he is, to, to be as cold. But all that being said, that's as good a game. That's a good as as good a three for sixteen game as anybody could possibly have. Yeah, that's um, how I felt. Whatever the you know, I, I saw the numbers bandied about a little bit here and there, but you know, the defenders against isolated against Clay, Clay Thompson were like one of eleven from the floor. <sighs> Um, and it, it just that, that proves what your eyes are looking at because that guy is a beast defensively on the perimeter. Um, you know Kyrie Irving wants no part of him. Um, ditto for any other perimeter player on the Cavs. Um, you know Kyrie defensively is is really making a case for one of the you know five or ten best defensive players in the league. Yeah, and Mike Brown talked. He's been talking him up since the Portland series. Um, he did a good job in that series. Every every round, um, it's just he's doing work. Called him a monster. He re- he was he talked him up. I think like first when his first comments, he was talking about how great Clay was, and he was man. Um, and this is fine. We we know guys like that. Your Pippins, your Bruce Bowens, and all that. It's it's fine. Uh, it's just we're not used to it, especially as fantasy guys. We're used yeah. to Clay dropping like five threes and. Getting a couple steals and stuff, so he's fine. Um, do you think Clay have a, a big game in the finals, or do you think? I, just... I, I think so. I, I just think it's you know it's the the, the you know it, it the low percentages. It's just he's too good of a talented shooter. I mean, I was I think Sunday was the one year anniversary of Game Six of the Western Conference Finals uh. Uh, when when Clay scored forty one um, and uh, you know the NBA playoff record eleven threes. Um, you know, just watching the tape, I, you know, I was just, you know, pulled up the, the YouTube and, and kind of watched the highlights and most of the second half. And um, that guy is and, – and because to me, um, they'll, they should there should be a 30 for 30 at some point on that game specifically. Yeah. Because the implications of that game range so far and wide. I mean, the, the Thunder were up eight points with, you know, seven minutes left, up seven with less than five minutes left. Um, and, and, and Clay hits a, two huge threes, one from like 30 feet uh, uh, when he pulls up on Westbrook. If the Warriors lose that game, the, the NBA is so different. You know, 
Durant has already basically already said he would not sign with the Warriors had the had the had the Thunder advance to the finals over the Warriors. Um, you know, if the if the if the Thunder beat the, the Cavs, did the Cavs trade Kevin Love? I mean, there's just the implications are are so far and wide. Um, it, it really is fascinating to think about. Not only this next season, obviously, but you know, Jeff Van Gundy saying that the that the Warriors will make the finals eight of the next ten seasons. I think is a realistic. It's not even really hyperbole. It's not. Um, and, if, and if that fourth quarter goes a little bit differently, if a few shots fall a little bit differently um we may be talking about a far different uh, nba landscape for the next decade not to mention he has the next nick stauskas ownership quarter but the 37.3 so he, mm-hmm. he has arguably two of the top quarters like ever i mean devin booker's fourth i guess against boston's up there yeah but uh and then devin booker had, had another 28.4 quarter against what was it um against denver in the Mexico City game? Yeah, 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 yeah. We haven't talked about Devin Booker in a while. I'm excited to talk about him for next year. He's, he's, he's going to play some point next year, you think? He, he handled the ball a lot yeah. last, last year. He lives in that mid-range, man. I like that. I want to see him. He's still not as strong. I want to see him be like a 44-3 point guy. Like, that would be huge for him. But it's, the Clay and Devin uh, comparisons, they're up there, man. Especially for yeah. big quarter dominance. Okay, so we haven't talked about Kevin Love yet. Draymond owned him defensively. Uh, Kevin Love was 1-5 at the rim, 0-2 on mid-range. So he was 1-7 in two-point range. So many times, he would get great position, but Draymond's right on his back, gets a hand up, no chance. I mean, these shots weren't even like rolling out. They were just big misses. So um, he got a bad defensive game. Um, this is one of, I thought... Probably the top three stories for the Cavs coming in was Kevin Love was a plus defender. So I don't know oh. if that was a, a minus on the Raptors, who were kind of weak interior. So Ibaka was terrible. Um, Horford was okay, but they didn't really put Love on him too much. And his pick-and-roll defense was better. So what do you do with Kevin Love? We saw a good amount of Kevin Love at the five. We'll talk about Tristan Thompson in a second. Um, so what, what were your impressions on Love versus Draymond, if you want to throw Draymond in there? Yeah, I think you handle it well. I, I, just Draymond is so good. I mean, if you're a, a fan of an NBA team, I, I, if you could pick any player to build a franchise around, I know the Giannis's and LeBron's, and all those guys are far, far, far and away, and they're they're great. And, but in terms of a guy that's going to change your culture and just, you know, I, I forget what game it was. It was last series uh, in the Western Conference Finals, but Steph was 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 um, got or thought he got fouled. Um, and, you know, kind of flopped on the ground and, you know, kind of, you know, side-eyed the referee and didn't hustle back on defense. And Draymond Green, a second-round pick, ran up to midcourt and screamed in Steph Curry's face, the two-time reigning MVP, and said, get that back on defense. You know, something to that effect. I'm sure there's a couple of curse words in there. <laughs> uh, you know, and it's, it was just one of those small little incidences, I think, that, um, you know, that is, as good as Durant is, nobody's denying it. Steph Curry's incredible best shooter ever in the conversation. Um, Draymond Green really is the heart and soul of that team, both offensively and defensively, um, you know, point of attack when, you know, when, when there's a high pick and roll, he's kind of four, three, um, when he catches that ball at the top of the key. Um, there's just so many things he does on a night in night out possession by possession basis um, that, that, that are, are, are missed by, you know, I, I would say that they're missed by a lot of basketball fans, but there's so many smart, intelligent basketball fans today. Um, I, I, you know, that, that I think most people, People pick up on it, um, and uh, Green is such an incredible player, and he really impacted the game. Um, again, much like a uh, uh, Clay Thompson, yeah. um, 
you know, Draymond Green was three of twelve from the floor yesterday. And you think, you know, how 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 impactful could he have been? But um, you know, it just the, he's his his anticipation defensively. Um, it, it just it, everything he, he brings to the table makes them, um, you know, such incredible. It makes them, you know, is, is kind of the glue guy of a really great team. And um, he'll never get the MVP consideration, um, but but you could certainly make a, a case over the last few years that you know that that Draymond Green has actually been the most valuable player. You can, team. you really. Is he your defensive player of the year? It's it's such a tough call. Yeah, it's a really tough call. Um, I, I he would get my vote, obviously. Um, you know, the, the, the Gobert. You know, you can make yeah. a case for, but um, I think I, I'd go with Draymond. I think I have Gobert, but I mean, I don't. You can go either. I you can make an argument either way, but just the way that Gobert just dominant, like the inside the paint is just shut down with that guy in there. Definitely, I, I couldn't fight you too hard. Yeah. I just make, lean towards Draymond's versatility, multi-position defensively, but um, you can't go wrong either way. Yeah. My my little analogy that I kind of really have taken a liking to is for baseball. I compare Draymond Green to Greg Maddox, just like super crafty. He doesn't make mistakes. Yeah. Great understanding. Where Gobert's like Randy Johnson, like oh, you just can't. He's just a beast. Yeah, and they both yeah, yeah. They, they both get outs, man. Draymond doesn't throw ninety eight, but he has <laughs> junk and he hits the corners. Yeah, and, you know, keeps keep pitch keeps batters off balance. All those wonderful things that um, that, that that that'll make him last for quite a long time. Yeah, for well. sure, it doesn't walk people. Uh, okay, so what else did we? Oh, we didn't talk about Zaza yet. Um, first quarter, I thought Zaza was terrible. Uh, he so was Zaza did not want to shoot. <laughs> yeah, was afraid of taking a layup. Yeah, and he was late on a lot of transition plays on both ends. I'm not sure if it was the heel or the rust or what, because he hasn't played since I think it was what May 16th, something like that. Um, so he's been out for a little bit. So and then, but then in the second half, he really played well. Uh, and I thought that Mike Brown trusted him for a good stint, even with Love at the five. Um, I thought Zaza played well, so you know, keep him in that wheelhouse. You know, thirteen to sixteen minutes, uh, he should be good to go. Definitely, I think Mike Brown has the or Steve Kerr maybe in game two. Yeah, we'll see. Um, has the fortunately had the option if if one if Zaza isn't playing well, throw McGee in there. Um, if McGee isn't playing well, um, you know, give Zaza maybe a couple more minutes, and then worst case scenario, if that's the worst case scenario, you go with the death lineup with Draymond at five. Um, and um, yeah, good luck. Yeah, right. Um, so really, the I guess, I don't know if I would say is the worst, but I probably would. I'd maybe say the biggest disappointment for Game 1 is, I guess, given the old Mr. Met uh, inside finger, uh, <laughs> Tristan Thompson, big time no-show. And Zaza, after the game on ESPN, was saying that they, yeah, they wanted to keep him out of the paint. And if he's not protecting the rim, and he's not rebounding the ball, he didn't score last night, He's a detriment, and he only played 22 minutes, no foul trouble, didn't really play too much in the second half. Um, bad game, bad matchup. What do you think? Where does Tristan go from here? Definitely a bad game. And I think to yeah. our earlier point, the fact that there was no, you know, there was very few hard fouls at the rim, uncontested layups left and right. I think that's that you got to put that at the feet of Tristan Thompson as well. He's their enforcer. He's their protector. Um, he's got to get physical. Um, and but I, but I think he's one of those guys that's kind of immune. He's not, listen. A shooting slump's not going to impact him. Getting cold from the floor, he's obviously not going to take any jumpers. Um, so I think he's an effort intensity guy. I think he will bring it in game two. Um, you know, Zach Lowe, you know, had a good piece this week talking about. Um, you know, kind of the things, all the dirty work, the underappreciated things he does that that they bring to the table that really impact 
impact the game. Um, and I think he'll he'll bounce back in in, in game two certainly. Um, but it, it, similar in a similar respect, another disappointing performance is from the Cavs. It's end of the spectrum. Kyle Korver 0 from three didn't yep. give you anything, and uh, Darren Williams also uh, 0 for four. Um, those two guys scoreless. Um, you need some bench production um, when LeBron's out, when when Kyrie gets you know a few minutes rest here and there. Those guys at least need to keep pace um, or only lose you know two or three points uh, you know in terms of margin of, of uh, in terms of uh, you know the, the scoreboard. Um, those guys didn't, get, didn't didn't bring anything to the table last night. That brings me to the last thing I want to talk about as far as like recaps go. Lou flipped up his rotation again. Uh, he did this a lot in the playoffs. I almost felt like he treated the earlier rounds, like spring training, where you know you're kind of or preseason, I guess. I got baseball in my mind, um, where you're kind of just tinkering with lineups, seeing what works, what doesn't work. I felt like he was doing that since they're really the stakes weren't too high, and he still did it. He was still putting like Kyrie out without LeBron, and really because he had that Le- like I guess their main bench lineup they were using was LeBron in second unit with Darren, with Kyle Korver, with Shumpert with Fry, um, but he wasn't really doing that. He mixed it up even more, so I'm not sure what he's going to do. I assume he scraps that, and he kind of goes back to a traditional rotation that he was doing for, I guess, the first round uh, up until Game 4. Game Game 4 against the, the Pacers was when I first noticed this. So what do you think he's going to do? And also, he's also been a little bit lighter in keeping his starters together because J.R. Smith's minutes have been down. That's pretty much why. So, Jarrett Smith, I thought he played okay. Um, he scored the first basket of the game, didn't score again uh, after that. So, if you're Lou, do you go, like, I guess we call it the Stan Van Gundy or the Scotty Brooks rotation, where you just go, hey, starters, 27 minutes together, and then piece it together with LeBron playing 20 minutes with other guys. What do you think he does? What would you do? Anything like that? Yeah, I think I think I'd go with the as you mentioned, um, you know, the, the Scotty Brooks esque route of of, of keeping the the, the the consistency, the chemistry. Um, hopefully, that pays off in the long run. Um, you know, it, it, you give it give it a shot. If it doesn't work, then we can kind of reassess things in Game Three. Um, and as we know, role players tend to play a little bit better on the home floor, um, so you maybe can count on that going home. Um, and I'm also be interested to, to see if they if they dust off Derek Williams. There was some talk about. Um, him maybe getting some minutes um, in this series. Um, if Richard Jefferson didn't play well, as it turns out, RJ um, surprisingly yeah. um, you know, did, did, did make some positive contributions. Um, so I don't think it's definitely necessary um, to, to bump him out of the rotation entirely. But, um, you know, that, that was the idea literally from the day they picked up Derek Williams. They were thinking six months in advance and saying, um, you know, when we face the Warriors in the finals, um, this is a long uh, athletic wing that, that could possibly present some, some matchup problems, um, you know, knock down a corner three, um, you know, give us some length defensively um, and hopefully, um, you know, be able to match up with the Warriors in the defensive end. Warrior stopper, not not quite Ruben Patterson-esque with the Kobe right. stopper, but <laughs> pretty good. And actually, speaking of the second unit, we didn't talk about Iguodala. Um, had a couple superb defensive possessions, hit that big buzzer-beating three-pointer that really set the tone, had a nice dunk. Um, great game from him. Um, so, yeah, you know, 24 minutes. I feel like he did, like, the Warriors did, like, a mini-pop in the postseason where they kept Iguodala kind of, he sat out a couple games, uh, took him out, didn't play him the second half earlier in the season, in the ser- in the playoffs, and then he played great, man. Twenty four minutes, just didn't look one hundred percent. Yeah, and that that's all you can ask for from from the Warriors' perspective. Exactly what you got from Iggy. Um, a lot of questions coming into this game. Was it rest? Was he more injured than they were letting on? 
um, had been horrendous from the field. His, his, his shooting numbers were terrible over the last few weeks. Um, so there's definitely some concern. He is their true X factor. Um, you know, he's obviously got finals MVP under his belt. Um, him and LeBron, the only two players in the series with finals MVPs on their resume. Um, you know, that, that kind of speaks to the impact he can have when healthy. Um, you certainly know what he would expect him uh, to match that type of production or impact in this series. Uh, but that being said, um, you know, in terms of defensive intensity, um, knock down some corner threes, um, you know, kind of facilitate the offense, you know, get, get loose in transition. Um, he certainly um, can make a significant impact on the games going forward. So if they get that type of, uh, you know, that type of production from him uh, in game two and, 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 and later in the series, um, it's going to be real tough for, for Cleveland to match that. Such an advantage because he is he's great at your number one priority, keeping LeBron James in check, and he does yep. that in the second unit. So yeah, I mean you can't say that about and the all the other Cavs guys are like okay, you can hit some three pointers, great. Um, that's pretty that's pretty much all they're asking for. Uh, and one thing I was thinking about while I was on my hike today, Iguodala going to be a Hall of Famer or what? And that, again, he is vastly underappreciated for what he did in the Sixers days. If you've been playing fantasy for a while, you may remember Iguodala was like a number six or seven pick, um, like way back when he was humming. He was like a mini LeBron man. Uh, this is before, and by the way, his free throw shooting was better earlier in his career. So yes. I kind of think he is, man. He's gonna have three rings at least. Yeah, I've had Iggy as my first round pick a, a time or two back in the in his heyday, um, and uh, yeah, I, I listen. He's, a, he's got a. Finals MVP on his resume. There's only a handful of guys, less than a handful of guys that that, that won the Finals MVP. Didn't make, um, didn't eventually get elected to the Hall of Fame. It's got that going for him. He doesn't have the international success that that some of the other guys have. Um, there's a lot of less qualified players that um, have had success internationally and, and collegiately um, that, that earn points. Because remember, it's not the NBA Hall of Fame. It's the, the Basketball Hall of Fame. Um, that, that, so that you, you see a lot of guys in there that, that kind of head-scratching, but that's the reason why. Um, it's a very good conversation. I guess um, he's a guy that will probably come down to, to the wire. I certainly don't think he's a shoo-in or a definite out one way or the other. Um, he's got a couple more years, assuming he stays in – in Golden State, which is isn't a certainty, um, considering the, yeah. the the cap ramifications that the Warriors, he'll have to take less money to stay in Golden State because you could definitely see a team um, willing to overpay for you know a couple years of, of Iguodala um, as a, especially a, a team in the East that, that has seen his success against guarding LeBron James. Um, but it sounds like he wants to stay there. Certainly, the Warriors would like to keep him at the right price. I guess it's um, a question of is 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 I think we all assume that that Steph's going to sign for the max because he deserves it after being underpaid how much is Durant willing to leave on the table um, in order to to facilitate them keeping um, Iguodala potentially Sean Livingston and keep bringing those guys back yeah and then uh, great great uh, find from Chris Haynes uh, from ESPN after Iguodala had that dunk in the first quarter he pointed right right at his business manager (laughs) so get me paid (laughs) So, so Yeah, it's it's gonna be tough, man. Um, but I mean, like we said, we're pretty much. It sounds like you and I got two rings in the bag here. Um, so I guess move, moving off that point to we talked about adjustments to kind of mixing up LeBron, maybe put him on Durant a little bit. But you gotta. We're not sure if he's tired or what. Maybe maybe start with that plan because they were playing well early, um, despite the Warriors missing shots. So 
go with that. Um, I don't really think you make too many changes other than the fact that don't get so cute with your rotations. You know what works. you got a big sample of what has worked, what hasn't worked. You played this team seven times with essentially the same personnel minus Mozgov. Um, but then they have Durant, obviously. That's a little bit... So losing Mozgov and Durant's a problem. But, I mean, you know this team. There's plenty of tape. Um, I wouldn't get too crazy on adjustments. Um, get Kyrie going a little bit more often. Um, and then get your shooters open more, too. I hope they make them. You're going to need to hit a lot of threes to beat this team. And then turnovers are huge. Yeah. Anything you could say adjustments-wise? Um, to limit turnovers. I think yeah. that's, a, you know, the, obviously the Cavs would be the first to admit limit turnovers because you don't have a chance if you're giving these guys, um, you know, obviously limiting your, the number of shots you're taking but also setting them up for transition opportunities. Um, and the scary thing is that the Warriors didn't really play their A game. They, they missed a lot of right. bunnies. They missed a lot of makeable shots in game one. Um, you know, so that that's definitely a concern going forward. Um, but, uh, you know, just uh, make it ugly. You know, just just slow the pace. Obviously, slow the pace of the game down. It's going to work in your favor. Um, I think that the, the Cavs got blown. Listen, it's not, you know, it's not overreact. The Cavs got blown out in, in the first two games last year, came back and won the series in seven, obviously. Um, and I think they learned in the, in the latter stages of the series that um, they got to play football as much as play basketball. Hmm. Um, make it ugly, make it physical, um, you know, and uh, you know, make, make them, you know, kind of make the Warriors win on your terms, um, as difficult as, as that sounds. Um, you know, uh, I think that's what they need to do. And play time. We got some baseball. We got some football. Time a little bit of rugby. All sorts of stuff, man. There you go. Yeah, man. It's just great pod, man. Uh, this is this is fun. Um, anything else you wanna? You've noticed? I've, other thing I've noticed too is I'm always weirded out when I watch TNT the night before and I turn it back on the next day and there's like Castle or Supernatural and Bones and <laughs> turned on my TV today and I had the View on. Like, oh word, I'm watching the View right now. <laughs> Same thing. Those days are first. The, the two positives that no, no more Reggie Miller and Chris Weber, yep. which, which which is a huge positive. <laughs> nice. Yes, in the, in the morning, my I, I turn, I, I get ready to turn on Sesame Street for my daughter. Here, <laughs> and I got witches and, and weird <laughs> acting. It looks like eighties, just weird, terrible acting. I haven't, I've never quite figured that out. But um, it's funny that you mentioned that. But yes, that is that is something that I will not miss. Um, it's kind of a yearly tradition. Yeah. Um, it's bizarre some of the shows they got early on on TNT. And yeah. TNT, those channels. I've seen the I've seen the last like minute of Castle leading into the TNT because they always play that like right before the TNT Thursday games. I know like the last minute of like every Castle episode ever. I don't know what isn't, the hell. Isn't Shannon isn't Shannon Doherty one of those shows? I feel like uh, I've seen her. I don't know. I, I think I've seen her Brent? one of the one of those shows. Brenda. All right, man. So we'll get out of here on that. This was a great time. You guys enjoy your weekend. Get ready for game two on Sunday. And thanks so much for coming on, Tommy. Be good. Thanks for having me, Mike. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.